This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons. Patrons like Joe Tato Chips and Alex on Earth. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as a little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that knows you get all the best data from experimenting on family. This is season eight, episode seven, covering Milshin Recon and Xenosaga episode three. Is that why it's all stepmom porn? They're just trying to find out if the female orgasm is real? Exactly. Uh, Who else are you going to work with? I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and my pronouns are God. he, him. With me today is <laughs> Sybil Arnett, she, her stepmom. Ryan Beatty, you, can, them. you can and still should cut that out. <laughs> it's not too bad, Marcus. He him. Uh, nah, I'm gonna leave that in. <laughs> uh, somebody tell me what happened last episode. I forget. The party discovered they had been hurled back in time to old Milsha on roughly the eve of the Milshan conflict. While most of the crew wanted to simply find a way back to their own time, with the professor cautioning, we might destroy the universe by being here, Shion Uzuki is nobody's bitch, even the timelines, and so she takes Alan and hauls him into the middle of a city to investigate why her father showed up and went, do war crimes on these realians with some mutic goons. With Federation forces on the periphery and a lot of civilian lives at stake, the duo head into Milsha City. Chris, I, I love that you always ask someone to tell you what happened last time when really it's always going to be civil every single time. For this game. It's Whatever. a good bit. A yeah, good for bit. this game. I'm going to rearrange these headers and it'll be your job. <laughs> <laughs> it is my job next. Matt, do the, um, Matt, why don't you tell me what happened last episode since it's the only <laughs> participation your prep will allow you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Oh. <laughs> You got me there. <laughs> Chris did not read me the schedule this week. So before we move on, I, I do just want to pour one out for Xion's hold on reality. She's slowly starting to break. And through the end of the intro, her like, hey, let's go into war-torn Milsha and it'll be fine. It'll it'll help me relax. Well, Alan's like, what are you talking about? Is just, you know, she's going through so much. There's so <laughs> much pain in her life right now. The One, universe just says, get owned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the universe is owning Xion over and over this game. And so I just, <laughs> I, you can totally tell that she's starting to absolutely lose it. Anyway. Milsha is a city with a lot of like little mini games, little baby side quests, little cute interactions. Um, so it's, you know, it's a it's a fun place to explore directly inside the opening area. You can blow up some bushes. You can 
get control to the fountain, which will eventually like let you control the flat fountain to like blow off an item uh, so you can grab it. It's a skill upgrade. You also, there's this lottery system. It's not random. There are three set tickets that you can buy to get some money. Oh, you're buying and you're picking a number, not a quantity. That was unclear from the text box. Yeah. Yeah, you can um, buy up to five tickets. There are 99 options. So, you know, if you're using this podcast as a walkthrough, those are 68, 37, and 12. Also, also what are you doing with your life if that's Yeah, <laughs> for real. Um, so there are also, you know, tons of explodable consoles. There are these federal reports in trash cans that you can't read. So it just says, like, you know, report grabbed by the like personal computer of this soldier let's talk about the new explosion gun meta of blowing up things on the ceiling now yes i love it i love it Uh, (laughs) love it in the act building as soon as that chandelier was targetable i was like oh shit yeah that was good (laughs) wait didn't we just blow up stalactites in the cave yeah that long ago but now it's stuff that's off screen just Mm -hmm. always be blowing stuff up in a medical okay, facility. Fair. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, shrapnel. That's it's exactly what they want there. In a medical facility where they where there's this dumb throwaway line of there are chemicals that can explode here. I guess I can't use traps. And you're just like, pow, pow, pow. yep. <laughs> so, in the city, you can have conversations and also eavesdrop on conversations that kind of like give a very different idea of what the world state on Milsha is than what we have learned so or what we kind of know so far right and they try like, really hard they give all the dudes names like a dennis instead of utic soldier yeah <laughs> and mm-hmm. you find out that Milsha is a utic planet or that utic is like guarding Milsha, protecting Milsha from the federation and that Milsha is half made up of descendants of the immigrant fleet it's always up until this point in the first two Xenosaga games, been portrayed as a Federation planet, really, with that just has that Utic outpost on it. And you find out that like some folks don't trust Utic because it it started out as a research organization, but now they're becoming increasingly militarized. There are some kids in town who are like, fuck the Federation. I want to be a Utic soldier when I grow up. Well, all those Utic soldiers unfortunately disappear in the upcoming program. <laughs> Uh, yeah and then also like you find out so actually before i go on i do want to say i am starting to have a gripe about the conversation system it felt novel in the first town or so especially because some of the conversations would go on if you didn't hit square but now every single conversation just stops unless you hit square so you're just you're hitting square to continue the conversation instead of hitting circle which is what you would hit to continue the conversation otherwise so it's kind of becoming tired for me yeah it sucks now Hmm. anyway a random mutic soldier in town will mention that there's this turquoise amws that nobody in the organization survives an encounter with uh he's supposed to be on commander margulis's level one time someone claims that he sliced an entire eggs in half while not even in his robot it's Mm -hmm. Jin. Jin is Xenosaga's char, absolutely. And you know what? He has the dorkiest name. It is the Turquoise Blade. Of course you're called that, you fucking dork. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 
Okay. Also, the data log says that Jin and Margulis were both trained by Shion's grandfather. Yeah. Also, that motherfucker's mm-hmm. name is right. just Awuga. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Fucking okay. Uh Awuga Uzuki. <laughs> that family. What is what is the deal with the Uzuki family? All of these people are so important. <laughs> also, you can kind of like blow up the gate to get into a building and so you like go up a series of stairs they look like escalators but they're not moving and there is a little boy who's really sad that a cat has stolen his balloon and is now like walking back and forth across the antenna with this balloon the balloon is enormous that flag is real weird it's like final fantasy 10 flag technology Mm -hmm. it's very strange looking it looks like nothing else on the game it, yeah, it's true. It it lo- it's like this weird pre-rendered animation amidst all these polygons and so it really stands out. So, you need a way to like grab it back but you can't follow it onto the really narrow ledge. And so, what you do is you throw a trap near it and when it gets close enough to you, you blow the cat up and that startles the cat and the balloon will become in your reach and you have to immediately grab the balloon and not blow that up too. It's a fun little like environmental puzzle that uses your own tools in ways that Yeah, it's cute. I didn't know you could use traps outside of a dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. This is this this was my first. Mm. It's if you see the number of traps you have on screen, or maybe that's always there. I'm not sure. It's not when you there. enter an area if the counter flashes. Okay. Also, shout outs to video games. You then blow up the cat, which yeah. startles it. You can <laughs> screw this quest up by blowing up the balloon instead of giving it to the kid. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I did try to immediately shoot the cat with my gun. Oh, rude. <laughs> Whatever. That's how <laughs> yeah, you that's interact not, with things in Xenosaga. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you target the cat? No. no you can't. You can okay. only target the trap. I waited a while to see if it would come closer. The reward is crummy. I like this quest, but you just get two like health restorer ice creams. They're the good ones though, aren't they? They are good ones, yes. But you can also like there's a ice cream truck that you can fuck with the awning for and end up like shutting him inside why would you buy that why would it be (laughs) that way i know (laughs) to put to put the awning switch like just on the outside where any customer can go touch it no i love (laughs) being able to fuck with npcs it's so good like that guy in between the doors in xenosaga one love it yes Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. good and so then in the back half of the city a man named Lodge is like musing about his mistakes, but he won't share them with you. If you dig into a few other people around town, you can find out that he was a uh, researcher actually for a medicine that seemed too good to be true and is too good to be true. He resolves to make this right. Uh, but that happens later. Did any of you do this mm-hmm. little quest? No, but I, I already, not. I already no. knew he's talking about the item that I am like manipulating the, the game with. Yeah. Seven moons. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. let me explain how Lodge is basically an umbrella scientist. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> oh boy. if you go around town, various people are talking about there's this restorative that seems insanely good. One of them will mention, I'm pretty sure, like, I've heard it kills people. And the other woman she's talking with will go, how the F did you hear that? And then she <laughs> just clams up. Well, she Another also pr- then goes, I got I got to go shopping. It's a great day today. Weather's yeah. nice. 
there is a journalist, Adam, who will say he's watching Lodge with binoculars. And he's like, you are a third party here. I'm going to give you some info, and I want you to try and rattle this dude Columbo-style for me so I can get a scoop. (laughs) So you will start running back and forth between these two men, and what you find out is that Lodge had a rival at a different pharmaceutical company. The two of them worked together on a vaccine that cured the Gorgon virus. This is good. This is basically wiped out. This is now the smallpox of Xenosaga universe. But... Lodge decided he needed to get a better name. He needed to beat his old partner slash rival. And so he keeps experimenting with this virus, which is like, well, you know, now it's now we've vaccinated against it. There's no problem. And he turns a like supercharged version of it because the early stage of the virus kind of kick your metabolism up. So it's like, okay, yeah, this could be this could be good. Seven Moons is basically a hyperdose of this virus, but this causes it to become a giant breeding ground for, like, super strains of the thing. So either it's going to kick your immune system up and help you heal faster, or it's going to drive your body into overdrive and slay you <laughs> if you don't have the right... And they've they've managed to silence these effects partly because Lodge's brother is the head of the company that he started working for and just fast-tracked all the paperwork. So it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, there's this whole chain of corruption. And if you continue pressing Lodge with this, eventually you will get him to the point where he does admit, yeah, all right, I have overstepped my bounds and I have done some shit that I know is heinous and I'm going to make this right. I'm going to make the actual best curative. And then when you go back to be like, yeah, Adam, I got your scoop. You're going to find that this dude fucking died because he was one of the test subjects and you basically gave him the last thing he needed to pass on. Oh, shit. Yeah. If you go back, there's just someone who's like, yeah, the the weird binocular pervert over here uh, died. I heard it was something about a medicine side effect or something. I don't know. Damn. Glad to be able to support small science. (laughs) Small science. I like that it's also an in-game item. It's wild to like, and it's so there's so much cheaper than revive M's. And so it's very funny to get this like very sordid backstory on the ultra cheap full revives. Yeah, they're not just full I revives. Mean, they give you all your EP back. They're like elixirs yeah. from death. It rocks. Yeah, these things are <laughs> basically just somebody decided to sell the fucking T-virus as a revival serum. Mm-hmm. It rules. <laughs> yeah, and all you need is, like, 20 boosters, and it'll work for you 100%. Yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I fully boosted. My par- my party is boosted now. We good. We, we fucking cheating. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna lie. If you told me I could turn into Wesker by get- just getting a couple more booster shots, I'd do that shit. Yeah, I would go lick the fucking subway poles and hurl cars through windows. <laughs> anyway, when you arrive, a guard will check one of Xion's forge IDs and go, wait a minute, I heard that your troop was all wiped out. And Alan's genius save is, well, we, we passed out, so we survived. Lucky break, huh? <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> that line is so dumb, but what he means, like, that's a, that is not a well-translated line. 
Like, it does not include the comma, so they thought we were dead. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, <laughs> they just happen to not burn our corpses. Well, they only burn the realians. That's true. Yeah. Slight major detour. Very quickly, speaking of adventures in translation, so Junior's nickname, Little Master, the undubbed version, it's Chibi-san, which is literally <laughs> Little Master, but it is so much less awkward coming out of Mary and Shelley's mouth. Matt and I anyway. are both now imagining a tiny tuxedo mask. Yeah. <laughs> it does not help that Mary has the accent she does when she says Little Master. Very no, true. it doesn't. Little Master! <laughs> It's one of the few times where the the replacement of master is like a straight improvement to me. Otherwise, it just seems like, you know, a little silly. Little main. Sometimes. Exactly. (laughs) Little primary. (laughs) A little little bit of GitHub jokes for the audience. (laughs) Anyway, the man says you you want to hurry upstairs for the connection experiment and uh, don't keep Professor Mizrahi waiting. Uh, when you walk in, you'll be informed that there are explosive chemicals uh, in the area, and so you can't use your traps. We mentioned this earlier, but you can still blow shit up. It's that during the experiment, anything that has explosive chemicals are prohibited, and so there oh, are. So, like energy beams are fine. Yep, you yes. can you can energy, straight up blow okay. things up okay. in the hallways. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So the place where they're headed is the acute neurosis treatment facility, a name you might recall from a very dark flashback from the first game that Xi'an had about her mother. That's where all the podcast recording booths are. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Official stance. This podcast is not a replacement for therapy. (laughs) Please. No. But let me tell you about better help. Which... (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it. I can't even Uh, do that one in irony's sake. No. Uh, seriously, uh, go get therapy. Therapy's good. But not from an app. Not from an app, no. From, from like, a human. A, a professional human. I will be your fucking therapist if you're that desperate. You have to be very desperate mm. for that. I might check your insurance first and see if they cover tele, te, tele-doctors. WebM, WebMD bills as a tele-doctor, so therapy through them is free. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Ah. Uh. Because my my insurance covers like telehealth, right? But that's how WebMD bills your insurance company for online therapists. Nice. That's great. That actually kind of rules. Yeah. But anyway, if you attempt to access the central elevator in this area, uh, you'll be told that you'll end up at Labyrinthos proper. The phony IDs don't have that credential, so just put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. Explore the building a little if you like, but right now, a lot of the doors are locked, and you're being funneled to floor four where Dr. Mizrahi is waiting. Okay, you know what? Shoutouts to Coolidge. Congrats, Coolidge. Fuck Coolidge. Yep. <laughs> yes. I, I love that the game just straight up says, I'm the guardian spirit, and you can't blow stuff up while I'm in here. <laughs> yep. And then, like, I went, he was in the bottom left, and I went up and tried to blow something up, and he's just like, I moved one foot and he was on the screen creepy watson stalls like oh god gotta get out of here <laughs> yes uh, i mentioned him a little later in the notes but yeah upon entry to dr mizrahi's lab you'll be yelled at for holding up the experiment but he was expecting new staff so cover kept love just yell at you oh wait do you suck at your job because you're the new guy oh okay i guess yeah 
Shiad's job here is to upload the data from the Realians who are being transported, as well as sync any other files. Jishiyan's job is just basically to log into FileZilla because Dr. Mizrahi doesn't know how to use email. <laughs> Old guy in a fucking academic setting? Checks out. Uh-huh. At the end, she realizes one of the final lists is patient data from the hospital and asks what the information is. Mizrahi is surprised, figuring she would have been told when assigned that this is compatibility data for Zohar Sync experiments. Everyone listed has notable compatibility with vessels of anima, which are held in this building. Remember when Virgil laughed his ass off about us not knowing what the vessels were? And now, Shion and Alan have put it together from the research data. It turns out their power draws off the Zohar by acting as a translator between human willpower and the infinite energy slab itself. Before we can dig deeper into this, or the revelation that, why is mom's name here? Yoakim just says... Go get me Kevin Winnicott. And then we leave. <laughs> All right. So it fucking sucks for the Realians either way, because the Federation wants to eradicate Realians because they're all in danger of like going rampant, essentially, or at least that's what the Federation believes. And Utic employs Realians and seems to be better but also are doing really horrendous experiments on them it's just there's no real good organization to get behind if you're a realian here put a pin in that okay i mean well i guess self yeah no you can't couldn't like hang out with salvatore at all because that's basically just for the (laughs) x-men right yeah salvatore and uh yuriev are basically just going what if instead of realians, we made different artificial life forms? <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know how I feel about the redemption arc for what's his name? Momo's dad? Mizrahi. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the Mizrahi redemption arc that they keep trying to do. Well, it's interesting because here we do finally see some of his original like didactic creepiness that was all over episode one. So it it hasn't been a full-ass redemption arc like it seemed it was going to be in episode two and then, like, you know, like the first third of this game. But but you're right. It is, I mean, it there, there's a lot of weird changes. The pseudo-redemption arc for Dr. Joachim Mizrahi is one. Yuriev just kind of being one of the new big bads after it's like... It, we didn't get enough of, like, kind of his reappearance. It's like, we saw his reappearance, we got his reappearance, but it still feels really jarring that he's just kind of a player now. Or at least it does to me. There's a lot of weird shit like that. Every scientist that isn't Sellers, who has just been depicted as a piece of shit the whole time, is really all over the place in this game because they're speedrunning what would probably have been multiple games worth of exploring these themes into shit, mm. this guy's here for 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. It's very the weird. only the only consistency is that Kevin is a little shit. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. So along the way, uh Alan and Shion are just kind of discussing what just happened in the halls. Do you think this Kevin we're being sent to fetch and whose age lines up with our dead Kevin is the same guy? I guess Winnicott is the far future family equivalent of Taylor, given that he's the last Winnicott from a dead planet. (laughs) This is, I don't know. I don't know names in Xenosaga world, but again, this is like we're going, do you think this Kal-El is the same as our Kal-El? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a really specific name, guys. It's not like he's going well, by Jason Winnicott right now. It's more noteworthy because Kevin is a normal name compared to everyone else. Right. I feel like the last name should be telling you it's your guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheon says this is all possible. Kevin never said what he did before coming to Vector. And if he mm-hmm. was Professor Mizrahi's assistant, it would explain his knowledge of the Hilbert effect and Realian architecture. And then we're going to walk into a room and confirm for all the players who haven't picked up on it yet that, yes, it's that Kevin, and we did meet him in the church, and Xion is going to have Alan distract him so she can steal the basic code of Cosmos that he's been working on this early in his life. It's so funny. The game pays lip service to, it's like, you know, one of the um, data points is like on the feasibility or like on the use cases for a human-shaped weapon to fight the Gnosis. So it's like, clearly Kevin had an idea of why it had to be a human, but also the game doesn't explain it. It's just like, oh no, it's, listen, be, like the fact that she's a hot humanoid robot is intentional and part of the design. You okay. could just say because they can use regular guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you don't got to redesign all that shit. And we'll come back to that later. All right. So <laughs> after fetching Kevin, you'll be asked to deliver Mizrahi's data to the lab on the fifth floor. At a security checkpoint, you'll see what are clearly vessels of anima on the camera, meaning we are totally coming back here to steal those as well. Of note, test subjects that fall into a dangerous state are taken to a restricted region of the lab known as Area 13. This is also known as, you will come here when your progress is blocked later when this is a dungeon and this is where the boss fight will be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are a few side quests and little side paths on this floor if you want, one of whom is Coolidge, who is the guardian spirit of that particular experiment room. And so as long as he's around, you can't blow anything up because he just like stares at you. He's like, ah, ah, ah. More like Toolage. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Another scientist mentions that if we can find eight of these federal reports in town, he would love to see copies of them. And so, uh, you know, we know that there are eight now and that he would love to see them. And finally, we come to the research room where Shion's dad, Suo Uzuki, is awaiting the data because only four important people exist on the entire planet. Mm-hmm. So we then learn that Shion takes after her father because this dude ignores a random woman who looks like a grown-up version of his kid going, what are you doing to mom over and over again to his face? Instead, he just keeps requesting the data. It's self-righteous Shion is back. Counter uh-huh. up. Love it. Anyway. There's a follow-up to this scene later that I love so much with Jin. Mm. Mm-hmm. Suo just goes, look, you're reading a whole lot into this data and also... Shut the fuck up. I'm the research chief. You're just an intern. Leave me the fuck alone. Pla- classic business culture. Yep. yep. Uh-huh. Go fetch me some coffee. He then proceeds to be even thicker than expected when his future daughter is right beside his <laughs> present daughter and he doesn't figure it out. Oh my God. I was, yeah. How can nobody see it? How can nobody see it? She Kevin even puts doesn't the even recognize her. On. Kevin doesn't recognize her. He saw her an hour ago. I know. It's he fuck. She 
Ugh. Yeah, with with the UTIC researcher outfit or uniform that she now has on, she even has the same glasses and hair that uh-huh. Baby Shion uh-huh. does. It's fucked. Like, I, I'm willing to give a little bit of a pass sometimes, because when you think about it, like, we're seeing this from an angle where we know this is time travel. And if you're a person who is not aware of that, like, in the moment, you'll probably be like, huh, it's weird that these people look the same. But also, one of them is saying, what are you doing to mom? <laughs> it's like, but, come on. It's yeah. right fucking there. Yeah. <laughs> They're, like, two feet away, and the cutscene is like, he, she, he can't hear her. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. At the very least, in a setting that has designer humans, someone should be going, is there some clone shit in this building? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I've never seen this woman around before, but she looks weirdly like the chief's daughter. Right, but nobody says shit. I mean, like, memory in this game is weird. Memory in this series is weird. I know that there were very few survivors on Milsh- uh, from the Milshin disaster. However... I feel like someone in the universe would know more of what we're learning now. Like, somebody had to know what was going on unless it was just, like, such a massive universe-spanning cover-up, which is very possible given the powers at play. It just, like, while all these revelations about what Milsha was really like were happening, I was just like, did this... Somebody in the universe had to have known this we've talked to. Somebody. I have good news and bad news. Someone okay. does. His name uh, is Wilhelm. Right. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Fucking yeah. Little homie conniving ass. <laughs> anyway, our Shion says that she'll escort his Shion home under the guise of an apology, saying, uh, I'm fatigued and a little emotional right now. I'm Same. on my period, <laughs> essentially, is what she's saying. Fucked up. Uh, <laughs> just uh, and uh, Sue instantly nods and accepts this because uh, <laughs> the light in the notes says I'll take the hormones it. do be like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Suo is entirely willing to expect. Ah, the female brain. Okay, yeah, accept ex- it. Uh, <laughs> it's the fucking twenty seven hundreds, guys. Like <laughs> again, Suo Uzuki is. Definitely the father of Shion Uzuki. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. When they when they when that happened, I was like, "Did Tomito write this?" <laughs> the one thing you should learn about this entire family from this segment is that Jin is definitely a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. I'd believe it. Anyway, Chippy Shion doesn't want to go home yet. However, uh, she wants to visit the soldier at the church. So suddenly, we are babysitting. And Alan is speechless for this entire segment, probably because he's torn between some very dark thoughts about seeing two Shion simultaneously in the least hot way imaginable. I what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Chris. What's he just that doesn't oh, that speak for this time. whole segment. Yeah, but that does cut <laughs> the second no, half. No, just the, mm-hmm. the pointing out that it's oh, by the way, it shouldn't be hot. <laughs> I'm like, yes, of course not. Why would uh. you even think that? I just can't think of another reason he's not talking. Be- oh my god, because he's Alan, and because he's uh, like he's paralyzed by all of, like the weird ass shit that he's seeing. Because Xenosaga 3's development was a tire fire. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, Shion's ex is alive and present, and, and a, a teenager, bitch, and, and a, a little teenager. bitch, and a little bitch, <laughs> and a. 
<laughs> He's thinking to himself, like, <laughs> she's still hung up on that little bitch? Come on. I could deck this guy. I could deck this guy, thinks Alan. <laughs> I ought to deck this guy. <laughs> Outside, young Xion has planted some flowers in front of Labyrinthos, and she's... This is not, is this, isn't this just out in front of the ant facility? The ant facility is Labyrinthos. It's the same building. Is that true? Yeah, I was given the impression, based on the scale of the map, that like there's a subway t- tube from Ant to Labyrinthos. No, like the the tower is Labyrinthos. It's just they okay. cover it up by saying it's this hospital facility instead of it's the UTIC research base. That's why there's anyway. a central elevator down to the thing. I guess that's true. Chion's planted some flowers out in front of Labyrinthos, and she's going to pick them and take them to the church. As they do so, Kevin comes outside and begins just shit-talking adult Shion, saying, slacking off, I see. Classic, classic raising children doesn't work. (laughs) She fires back that in the middle of a war is the perfect time to be planting a garden to offset all of the unnatural destruction conflict brings. So fucking glad that Shion says this and not Alan, because I don't need to hear that voice actor say the exact same thing that he said in Valkyria Chronicles. (laughs) (laughs) i've never played that worth it oh great great do not play only one and four two Mm -hmm. and three oh i know yeah i know that two became a weird school thing on the psp Mm -hmm. no that's not the problem with it the problem with it is that because it's the psp all of the maps are sliced up really tiny into like micro maps Mm -hmm. and it's like a series of really tiny puzzles instead of like an interesting strategy game Okay. And I don't think the systems work very well as like a tactical system, which is what that turns it into. I got that game for free like five years ago on PC, so I'll play it eventually then. Oh, it rocks. This younger Kevin does not yet have his I want to make the creator mommy robot vibe yet. So he's just a real shit about how conflict is natural and resisting is the unnatural move. Real, real weird guy (laughs) behavior. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very teenager. Yeah. We leave town, and at the church, Jin is looking over Virgil's wounds. The soldier is recovering. The, twi- <laughs> the twin Shion, the twin Shions deliver the man flowers, and, you know, Virgil just has to ask, fellas, is it gay to hold a flower? <laughs> What's so <laughs> funny is it, is about it gay this to accept to me a flower? is that Virgil was, likes the flowers, and then she says, they'll help you get better, and then he's like, I don't need these flowers. Yeah! <laughs> Little Shion says that for the record. <laughs> it's very funny. Yes. Not that flowers are gay. It's that heal- healing with any outside assistance is for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> totally ignoring the organs that are in his body right now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, uh, <laughs> this, this line is very good. That when Shion enters, Jin goes, Shion, how is, and she just steps aside. Yes. Yep. This is Shion. Oh, for sure. <laughs> very good. Yep. Virgil gets incredibly morbid when Feb returns, saying, How dare everyone do this to him? And her kind killed her friends. And <laughs> if I were feeling better, I'd just rip those organs out of me and kill myself. <laughs> just straight up something that I would say. Fibronia uh, <laughs> just says, I hope that humans and realities can get along one day. And Shiana just agrees very aggressively. I really like I really like the development of Virgil and Fabrodia here. Mm-hmm. Virgil still talks to her the way Virgil talks, but you the, you could really like see the development going around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's great. of the church, the child and the realian pray. Fabronia is praying for her sisters, and baby Shion asks if she'll get to play with Cecily and Kate again, and everyone in the audience sucks in breath and goes, well. <laughs> Meanwhile, the child prays for her mother's health, and we zoom out a little, and both of the older Uzukis who are watching the scene just go, well, and oh sigh, God. depressed, knowing how Everything turns out in this room. It's just like, God. There are so many layers of dramatic irony at work because there's the dramatic irony of the future people knowing what happens to the past people. And then there's a dramatic irony mm -hmm. of all of the shit that the viewer knows that even the future people don't know yet. It's it's beautiful. Little Matryoshka doll of dramatic irony. I just love how Zeno Saga 3 is just subtweeting everyone who uh, does like a thoughts and prayers tweet after like, a horrible thing happening. <laughs> <laughs> we hard cut to the Labyrinthos basement. Proto Omega with a Zohar inside is just chilling in front of two men, Margulis and Sellers. Margulis loves the idea of starting a Realian revolt and pushing the blame on Mizrahi. Sellers says making the old man the scapegoat for what's about to happen was Kevin's idea. Telling the zealot, yes, Kevin is a 10th grader who's a piece of shit at college level. I love him. <laughs> a mole has fed everyone in UTIC the Federation's upcoming drop plans, and so they're already going to evacuate the VIPs, run the Zohar test, and fuck right off, leaving the chaos to be someone else's problem. Sellers tells Margulis, mm-hmm, yes, I'm sure you've got my safety in mind. Uh, please note that I can still walk. Absolutely. If you don't uh, get me out of here, be advised that I'm going to haul ass out of here on the Song of Nephilim, buddy. <laughs> he explicitly calls out, I can make that thing fly, dick. Yeah. It's good. I, the, the, the villains being so petty with one another is another just, like, really delicious part of Xenosaga Episode 3, because they're all working towards similar purposes, but they all still want to just, like, wreck the other. Xeno Saga 3 is just birth by sleep in that regard. Big fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely yes. We then get a scene of Fabronia and Virgil alone at the church. Virgil seems disappointed that Shion isn't around today, but he is recovering. He's eating real food again and might even be able to walk in the next day or so. I also like that, you know, even though he's like kind of a twerp to Shion uh, sometimes because Virgil's a twerp, that, uh, yeah, that his, his affection for Shion is is good. It's cute. He then asks, like, why did you save me? We're enemies. And she was like, yeah, sure. On paper, we're enemies, but that's not really a decision I made. I just wanted to save you when I saw you there. Virgil at this point is an absolute mess of contradictions in the conversation, and he knows it. He's like, to a soldier, orders are absolute. And that <laughs> ends up leading into some petulance where he's like, but don't tell me what to do. But he thanks her for the food and tries to rest as she watches over him. The, 
this scene is a little tropey for me. She even just straight up just says the classic anime line of, is it so weird to want to save a life? A little yes. tropey for me. I mean, it, keeping with the Gundam comparisons, Fabronia is Lalasun. Mm, yeah. Yeah, she is, isn't she? Oh, wow. Explicitly. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It's not presented the best i am still impressed by the amount of time that like for such a compressed breakneck game there are little moments of quiet humanity that are enough that it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like a relentless slog but i you're you're probably right on this particular scene yeah i i think it's good i just wish that there had been like even a little bit of derivation as well Mm -hmm. so we cut from there to the front of Labyrinthos, and uh, Shibishian is tending to her flowers when a very punchable voice comes in and says, I'm amazed that these are still alive. And Xian insists that this was a better spot for the flowers than the garden in the back because it's closer to where her mom's room is and daddy could see them too. And Kevin scoffs at the idea that Suo green-blooded Vulcan Uzuki would enjoy flowers, and he's probably absolutely right. Uh, he says, like, listen, Squirt, you need to understand how the world works. For humans to live, we have to conquer and destroy and eat other organisms. That's the most basic function of an organic being. And this doesn't make any sense, given the fact that uh, Kevin is a Realian scientist, and he's developing his own organic life in the middle of a galaxy in which was so fucked up in terms of uh, labor force that they literally conscripted the dead to do their work for them. Also, I just want to call out so much. Kevin, not two hours ago in game time, was in fucking bed with adult Shion, and we keep having these kids interact, and it keeps creeping me the hell out. Yes. And it's so weird. Because it just shows that their relationship has always just been Shion getting negged by Kevin forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very weird. And somehow, somehow, this child negging back is probably going to be responsible for what turns him into an almost human being before he dies. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it does fuck with all of the previous, like, scenes of tenderness and, like, of the the way that she saw him in episode one it feels now it's all it's all fucking tainted well it doesn't necessarily fuck with it so much as it does basically invalidate it because now at this point for the relationship to make any sense you need to see those much earlier than the point in the relationship where you saw those right Mm -hmm. because now you're just like how does this even happen right yeah i you'd have to assume that kevin like grows a lot as a person and becomes a very different person than he was as a teenager, which, you know, is a difficult thing to do, I would or, say, to some degree. is manipulating her for their entire relationship yeah. up until the very end. Yeah, which yeah. is what we were That's, positing last episode. And right. Yeah, not great. And the conversation <laughs> with Sellers kind of leads into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, uh, it, it's hard for me to shake the feeling of uh, Kevin thinking like, you know, just at least... In his, like, subconscious thinking, like, I know what Xi'an's going to look like when she grows up, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because he knows, he's seen her, he knows what she looks like, and she's clearly hot, Mm -hmm. right? 
Hmm? No. Oh no, that's extra weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, isn't it? Ex- there's yeah, there's fuck. no good answer no. to the knot that we're tangling up here. No, oh, it's no, gross. Absolutely not. It's 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 gross all the way around. <laughs> Unfortunately yeah. for Kevin, both of his brains are small. <laughs> <laughs> all my homies say fuck Kevin. <laughs> yeah, including Xion repeatedly at length. Jesus. <laughs> Damn it. Completely unrelated. Shout outs to how nice it looked when Xion was pushing the dirt up towards the stem of the flower. There's like actual like animated dirt that looked semi-realistic. Very good yeah. for the PlayStation 2. Yeah. This game just continues to look good with the little touches. Even though I know it was just them sliding a J- JPEG around. It was nice. <laughs> well done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, proto mm-hmm. NFTs. <laughs> uh, anyway. The kid nags uh, Kevin into helping water the plants. Back on the Elsa, the robot squad are looking over the stolen Cosmos data. And Xi'an's like, well, we can fix it now, right? And the professor is like, I don't know, maybe we could repair the body and use this code, but we can't guarantee she'll reboot. There are a lot of unknowns here, which is very funny when you read the data log for Cosmos V3, because the way they solve all these unknowns is to just use Erde Kaiser parts that they scale down a little bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott's like she's very different from Erde Kaiser the field in which we specialize <laughs> extremely yeah. funny uh, and then the best line of the fucking game right here is when the professor says indeed this thing doesn't even transform much less combine <laughs> yes it's so good <laughs> my wife asked what's so funny and I tried to explain it to her and then she called me a fucking dork but, <laughs> which is fair yeah. but extremely funny so like I'm just going to call this out because I've been digging into that franchise. It was a giant blind spot for me. This playthrough is where I realized, oh, the Professor and Scott are straight up some Getter Robo shit. Has mm. anyone else ever engaged with Getter Robo? I have no. Not. No, I have a life to live. Getter Robo is a series where you have three pilots who are... Uh, that's fine. <laughs> Rat just raw Gonagai protagonist energy mm. and all science runs on getter rays, which are basically a weird force that causes evolution. And all of the robots combine in this organic way that whoever is in the lead changes how the whole thing for. And it's like, holy shit. I never realized before that this is like getter robo, getter rays, all that. That's what the air day Kaiser is. I know there's a bit of Mazinger in the design, but, well, it clicked. Sybil, are you telling me that the robot changes depending on who tops? Yes. And one of them is explicitly a bear. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's all making sense now. Also, shout-outs to Super Robot Wars 30, which has one of the funniest scenes I've seen in a video game when the Getter Robo pilots are confronted with the ladies from Magic Knight Ray Earth, and they're just disarmed by the sheer shoujo sweetness. (laughs) That's cute. It is. Well, and Mazinger and Getter Robo are both Gonagai, yeah? So, yep. I don't so know what that is. Gonagai is the author, the, the yeah, manga the guy author. Yeah, the did a... Gonagai Man. is a giant force of early anime and manga. He did Devilman, Mazinger Z, Getter Robo, uh, the, the list goes on, Cutie Honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these folks are in a guy homage in a lot of ways. Yeah. Hell yeah, he made something called Violent J- Violence Jack. That fucking rocks. Yeah. You'd probably enjoy Violence Jack. It's an OVA. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I have to record the podcast, not read Wikipedia. Uh, 
<laughs> but Chris, the, the patrons no, uh, pay us. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you to read Wikipedia. <laughs> but the professor and Scott, and also assistant number two, get to work <laughs> deciding they're never going to get a chance like this again. And they're like, you should take a rest and go play the new Haycox levels that we made. <laughs> Fucking do your job. <laughs> We have a little free time, and um, you can leave the ship and talk to Mai, and she'll thank you for helping her out, giving you Decoder 15. I didn't do this because I was sure it would be depressing after we find out how her dad dies. Okay, nope, yeah. She, that's a- <laughs> she actually like has a whole new lease on life. She's like, hey, you you really helped me work through some shit, and you were not vengeful on me. or anything. Like, you're good people, and I'm going to use the second chance. Thank you. Oh, that's good. Because, yeah, Yeah. finding out that the spirit of her dad was not in the robot and, in fact, was stuck in Labyrinthos where he was part of an experiment gone wrong, that fucked me up a lot. Hey, now we get a chance to also kill her father. Yeah. Yeah. The crane minigame. Is there a crane minigame? Out in the front of the mine. Oh, is this like the the drill? Yeah, the, the crane you can, like get the timing right to have it smash oh, into that box? No, I was excited because I thought this was the Xenosaga dr- one drill for a second. Mm. Nope. I want a game of that. It's called Mr. Driller. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Stop looking at Mr. Driller on Steam, Chris. We're on I'm a s- podcast. <laughs> I'm not looking at it yet. <laughs> it's also on Switch. It was seven bucks this week. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry they spent $200 on video games. That's fine. You can also do the crane minigame again, and if you do so a bunch of times, you can get some healing items, a skill upgrade, and eventually Momo's swimsuit. Just keep leaving and returning, and there will be smaller and smaller targets on the platform to destroy. You can earn Ziggy's swimsuit for doing Haycock's advanced. Sybil spliced in some of Jin's lines. They are apparently so good. Sorry, that's, uh, this that's is Matt's Matt job. Mm-hmm. Get yeah, fucked, Matt. <laughs> I already downloaded them. They're very funny, actually. Like Jins are incredibly funny. I've been changing up who I use every world, so this is the first time mm. I heard Jins. My my, how embarrassing! I finally bothered to do the first world, and I hated it the whole time. Oh, the first like two are not yeah. great shakes, to be honest. Again, if the point of the game was not camera manipulation, I would like it. Okay, but hold that's on. the primary quick, mechanic. Real quick, let me uh, drop in one of uh, Cosmos's into uh, recording text because it's very funny. I also used uh, her on red this time out, yeah. I apologize! I am unable to complete my mission! (laughs) (laughs) The the death lines are so good because basically the voice actors all get to just go completely out of their lane. Mm -hmm. It's real fun. It's either Ziggy or Junior, but when one of them falls off a cliff, it is that fucking Trackmania tear scream. <laughs> Ziggy. <laughs> like, why? Yeah, why would you make it like this? <laughs> Junior says, this isn't over yet. <laughs> no, I totally haven't flung all of the cast off into the void to hear these. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually required by the story to look at the Haycox machine once to progress the plot. And uh, the chant goes, oh, I've been so awful. I'm sorry, friends. And everyone's like, yeah, whatever, dude. So back in the lab, the trio of scientists prepare everything and get ready to flip the switch, Frankenstein style. Cables run into the cyber coffin and begin humming and no dice. Scott and the professor do not take this as a setback at all, immediately going, ah, it must be that. 
guess that. And on cue, they're like, love and courage. So assistant number two, go call your lady friend. I want to hear the opinion of a specialist. I am a specialist in the same field, even. You expect me to take your opinion seriously? Go get her. <laughs> and when Alan leaves, Scott is just like, Professor, it might have something to do with those parts you left out. Ah, don't worry about that. It's probably just a gauge malfunctioning. Just hit it. So Alan leaves the room, the two of them are futzing about again, and a black-cloaked figure materializes between the two scientists. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. It's great that they still can do the Professor and Scott comedy routine, even as they've been just casually integrated into the overall cast and, like, have serious scenes now. Very good. I love it, because the plot of Xenosaga 3 needs that. Yes. Because the, let me tell you, if you think about the game so far without that, it's just the most dour shit. Yeah, it's so bleak. Yeah, yeah, imagine if all of the science stuff was not done by these two, but instead, like, Shion, Alan, and maybe Junior. That would be uh, terrible. Well, such a bummer of a game. We might get the visor back, though. Yeah, true. Oh, God, I just realized the third person who would be the smartest in the room is probably the... It's Hilbert it's Hammer. Momo. No, it would be Momo. Mm -hmm. Well, Hammer, turns out, by the way, Hammer professional hacker. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It explains his look, honestly. It's so good. Yeah, they mentioned Why don't it you just game. eliminate Captain Matthew's debt? Go edit <laughs> the Excel sheet, my guy. <laughs> the problem is that he can't do that because he would have to hack into the... Kukai Foundation database, and their computers all run on about 6,000 next-gen model Realian brains? Yeah. <laughs> just, just be better. It's fine. <laughs> Look, my man is a good pilot, and if Hackers has taught me anything, he's excellent on roller skates, but that doesn't mean that he could just straight-up stick wires into a child's brain and fix this shit. Hammer mm -hmm. looks like he's out of Jet Set Radio Future. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Not, he does not belong yeah. in this video game. He <laughs> looks so weird. I love I mean, him though. He, like he reminds me of some like CG characters on like Toonami or something. Mm. Like there, there's just a certain like Cartoon Network vibe to him that is definitely jarring. Hammer yeah. was the in-between phase between Moltar and Tom. Mm -hmm. We need more attitude. <laughs> So now we cut to a shower scene. Shion is asking herself whether she should try to change history and change the past, knowing that the Milshin conflict is like two days out. But they all know that they're also in a pocket universe. So I don't know. Then she's like, Cosmos, what would you do? Would you chastise me for being illogical like you always do? Would you abandon countless lives before you simply because it's the logical thing to do? Um, <laughs> you can just imagine Lieutenant Virgil's corpse screaming silently in the vacuum of space, but his eyes are screaming, yes. <laughs> um, Alan comes in to collect her, and Shion accidentally totally flashes him over the view screen, which, you know, the view screen is in the shower for some reason. <laughs> you, you don't mean Chubby Checker there. You mean... Um, Chuck Berry. Was it Chuck? Ba I thought Chubby Checker also did the toilet cam thing. I I think it's Chuck. It was Berry. definitely Chuck Berry. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about Chubby. I think Chubby. Oh. How is Chubby Checker problematic? Let me Google this. <laughs> Chubby Checker toilet. Uh, da, da, da. Who is Chubby Checker? <laughs> <laughs> 
controversies of yeah oh my no, god not, 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 this is nothing this is an incredible headline though chubby checker and hewlett packard settle penis measurement app lawsuit Mm-hmm. That rocks. Yep, I do see that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I knew he did something involving genitals. I was half right. <laughs> is that what the twist is about? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> so, anyway, as he explains why he's why he's arrived, explosions all of a sudden rock the ship and cut off the feed. Alan rushes in to, once again, the shower where Shion is, and Shion just straight fucking cold cocks the dude. She then Who puts gets on dressed. a jacket that hard? Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. Shion has had enough with bullshit now. She's just hard now. So she then gets dressed. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> like, she goes hard. She's, okay, I'm okay, not. okay, okay, okay. Look, you can imply whatever you want about my gal. Yeah. Check this one out. More like chub checker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's definitely mm-hmm. what she does to Alan. Look, <laughs> that's what the HP thing is. It works on so many levels. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> uh, so, cute Professor and Scott taking anime pratfalls away from an explosion. And uh, the, pro- the professor is uh, cursing the younger generation. <laughs> wow. Uh, Scott replies, like, uh, Professor, I don't think violent criminals care much about manners. <laughs> and Junior and Tony bust in and both just begin unloading lead at Voyager, who is slowly carrying the cyber coffin over one shoulder. Matthews follows shortly after with a fucking assault rifle in his hands. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Captain Matthews fucking rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, He's my problematic fave still. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, th- this series has a lot of problematic faves. That just seems to be the thing. <laughs> I don't think there Shion. are unproblematic faves, actually. Jin. That's it. <laughs> oh, no, that's true. <laughs> uh, the least problematic fave. Jin. <laughs> his, only, his only problem is that he's a dork. Yeah. Jin is dork. the least problematic. Second place is Momo and Alan, who both take a couple of knocks for obvious reasons. Okay, mm-hmm. Momo is very problematic, but not in any way that's her fault. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah, Alan started out as a comic relief character and isn't anymore. Momo has the whole thousand-year-old soul problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just gotta say, if this game was made in 2022, you bet your ass that Jin would be a syscon. Oh my you god, can it. you imagine the Xenosaga discourse in the year of our Lord 2022? We're causing it! We're causing it! <laughs> yes, we are. We're, we are the main driving force of it, somehow. Alright, I'm going to do something extremely cursed. Keep looking up this, uh... <laughs> keep looking up this scene, or describing this. Anyway, uh, Ziggy arrives and once again tries the don't worry, I've got this move. And Voyager punks him in one blow because, of course, he did. Look, at least this time he didn't shoot himself in the back. Yes. <laughs> Fair. Well, this time he doesn't use any weapons. He decides to charge in with that switchblade fist of his, and he just yeah. gets swatted away. It would be even funnier, though, if Voyager pulled the same move and the blade went through a void and into his own back. That would rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop punching yourself. Stop puncturing yourself. Stop. Pu- uh, yeah, that's that's even better. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had a really dark joke there for a second. I'm just going to let it go. 
No, now I want to know. I'll tell you after recording, Chris. While we're in cutting this territory, uh, I... <laughs> Searching around, I did not find any Jin Xi'an content. However, that might also be that most of the doujins from that era are not archived. Mm. <laughs> so I'm just going to take it as everyone has good souls, not a failure of archival process. Yeah, it does take a special kind of freak to make Jin Xi'an flash in 2022. It takes a special kind of freak to look at Jin and go, yes, this man gets horny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's horny for swords. Yeah, yeah. Swords he's, aren't he's women. Studying the blade. Except in Britain. And we all know their problems. <laughs> oh, oh, well. <laughs> Sword guys rock and I've fucked all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm pretty certain that there is a uh, Yuri Light novel series where the love interest is a sword. Fate. I'm pretty certain it's a real fate thing. Fate exists. I'm aware that that's a thing. <laughs> Okay. One of them is literally named Saber. <laughs> of course. Is it wrong to fall in love with a sword in a dungeon? <laughs> <laughs> Given that that series is all about someone being a descendant of Zeus, uh, that would be on brand. Oh, no. Yes, oh, no. I'm sorry I spoiled the twist for you, but that's explicitly why everyone has a weird supernatural thing for the dork uh, protagonist. He's a fucking bastard of Zeus. That rules. Yes. Ugh. I'm thinking about showery wall dildos, but with a sword hilt where the sword is like through a wooden wall. <laughs> um, people have done a lot of parodies of unlimited blade works using asses, dildos, and various other things. That exists. Let's go. Not surprising whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, what is a hilt but not a flared base? It's true. Truer mm. words have... Well, true air words have been spoken. <laughs> Great. Now I'm imagining Sanji from One Piece, except he's carrying a fourth blade in his ass cheeks. <laughs> All right. His, his third uh, is in his teeth. Oh, you need a backup to the backup to the backup. He's got to cover his back sometime. The One Piece is going to turn out to be a hot lady. It'll be his One Piece for the rest of his life. <laughs> Io. We do know the One Piece isn't friendship. That's all we know. Is that how do we know that? Because one of the guys who uh, has actually seen it along with the Dread Pirate Rogers confirms over the air, no, it's not fucking friendship. It's not a metaphor. It's an actual treasure. It's his dying <laughs> words. Hell yeah. <laughs> Love it. That's very <laughs> funny to me, actually. <laughs> that's incredibly good. That, that's like, incredibly good. <laughs> seven or eight hundred chapters. Seven or eight hundred chapters in, a major character kicks off a new renewal of piracy by making those his dying words on a radio broadcast. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not French of you fucking nerd. Is One Piece good? One Piece rule. Dude, One Piece is about the fact that the bourgeoisie will use all of us as fucking human fodder and only together, united, can we overcome the okay. armies and the wealthy. Is One Piece good enough to watch as long as it is? <sighs> Skip filler. Use use a chart. But yes. Mm, I don't wanna. I mean, hard. like, how much is left after skipping the filler? I'm curious. Like, 300 episodes? You're still in, like, double Dragon Ball territory. Oof. That's a lot. Like, I, I've pretty much written off watching anything that's, like, a thousand, either, like, reading or watching things that are like a thousand chapters of manga or like seven or eight seasons. It says a lot when Matt has done that. <laughs> One Piece is probably 
the largest Japanese work you can get access to in English. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to the fight with Voyager. Shion and Alan arrive, and props to Shion for uh, leaping in fist first at a dude and materializing your weapon in midair, and it's pretty sick. It would be even sicker if it worked, <laughs> but instead what happens, he telekinetically grabs her and uh, swings her around. This and is when I said, oh no, I think Voyager is cool, but he's just a Star Wars guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's extremely dark. Uh, I will Vader. give them credit. Voyager is really making this scene work because he is not responding to any taunts, threats, assault. He is just silently walking forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Love it. And as he goes to close his grip on Xi'an, bam, we get the Hilbert effect, followed by a fist punching through the coffin to grab Voyager. And here a they just really they pause on the hold a little too long, like they're just having a romantic moment. A little weird. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this takes us to a really sick cutscene where Cosmos can't land a clean hit on the guy, but she is brushing away every attack that he tries. And finally, everyone regroups behind the powered up Cosmos and she opines, Shion, I will need your help to defeat the enemy unit. That okay. fucking rocks. I yep. listen. So Cosmos has only been dead for what, like six in game hours, if that? And I still That's a long time. I still marked the fuck out. It was like the the game sells her absence really well. She's also got a couple of new design pieces. She's got some of yeah. the Erde Kaiser red on her body now. Yes. Yes. She's got the head thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she doesn't have the stupid like glowy fluid effect anymore. Yeah, it those pieces of her are now covered up with armor. Yeah. She looks extremely sick, and, and this whole cutscene, I was like, yeah, yeah, she's back. She's fucking back. Well, they mechanically make it matter that Cosmos is gone, right? Because at that point, your only real tank can be Ziggy, and he's not as compatible with everyone generically like Cosmos yeah, is. So true. it definitely made me change up the battle party and the way I approached it for a while. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it also, you could also use Jin as a dodge tank? Yeah, no. Or is it just not as effective? Why would you do that? Jin is so good at killing guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I, I, I'm i building it. You are a rube if you don't kill guys with Jin. I do kill guys with Jin, but also I, I have him built as a whatever the dodge tank is. I'm going to edit your intro next time to say no, noted rube, Matt Marcus. What? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be cool. So, first off, gotta steal the Venom Ring. It fucking rocks. It adds poison to attacks and gives 50 EP to the wearer. Shoutouts mm -hmm. to Jin having this. You get so many more twin dragons, and they do so much damage as a result. Yeah, it's great. So, in Milsha, the only equipment that you can buy are these elemental rings. So, I just stocked up on these. So, I'm good for any weaknesses going forward. I've got my crew fucking specialized. Feels good. You know what's the thing with, like, JRPGs, though? Like... I kind of wish more games allowed you to take a turn to change your equipment 
in the battle. Yeah, because you yeah. could buy armor that's for Cosmos that's much better than anything she can have right now, mm-hmm. but you can't change it. Yeah. No. Yeah. She's still tankier than everyone else that you could bring. Oh, see, not for me. I was going to make a comment about that. Okay. Voyager is weak to flames, immune to lightning, and resists ice and beam. He's biotype, but not tagged as human. So no neck snaps, choke slams, like just flipping him to the ground. None of the fun shit. Just lunar (laughs) blades for you, buddy. Mm -hmm. His AI is going to have him focus fire on the lowest HP character on the field. So make sure whoever that is is healed up often. You can use heat or taunts to redirect him, but uh, I definitely didn't need to do that. What do you got? For me, because everyone else had been leveling up so much while she was absent, Cosmos was now my weakest character, and so he immediately starts the battle gunning for her. She's in your party. Oh, he still went for Shion, but I had him go for Cosmos by just manipulating her HP low because she still had such a high defense, and I could just have her guard basically every turn when she ran out of MP to do M cannon, which does a bajillion damage to that guy. Mm -hmm. Not M cannon, G cannon. To begin with, he's going to hit you with Evil Claw, which is a a one-hit physical attack that causes slow. It's like 300 damage. It's significant. And Lightning 2, which does lightning damage to all, which I never saw. Huh. Getting used to what his damage output is during this phase, so you can just know at a glance if someone can take another hit or needs healing now. Once you drop him to half health, Evil Claw will upgrade, and now it does status effects like Poison, which is very fucking annoying. Mm Mm-hmm. And he'll start whipping out HP vamp, which does exactly what it says, drains health from a character and heals him is really good for you when he does this. It only does like 120 damage. Yeah, it's like a free turn. Yeah. And when he gets low, he'll only do that. So you have a lot of time to just fuck around and to make sure you get the finish strike. This is his only healing ability, but the wrong crit or him hitting a broken individual is going to risk spiraling the battle out of hand. On the last quarter of South, Voyager says, I'm a testament. Check out this god mode, fam. And uses Abyss Walker, turning entirely immune to physical damage. If you know the battle's coming, you can throw Crimson Rings on your physical attackers to keep them in the game. But if not, get ready to swap around your members or just guard for three turns, which is what I did. He'll also debut a final set of attacks. Devil's Reception, which is massive physical damage to one target. And Karma Miasma, which is an ether attack to all that does poison. In short, When you're near the left chunk of his life bar, you just basically need to rush. Yep. Karma Miasma is pretty sick. (laughs) Like, as a name. Uh Uh-huh. It's a bitch to get hit with. Uh Uh-huh. Indeed. All party poison attacks are nasty in this game. I had fun with this, but again, I'm the one who writes these guides, and I knew coming in that I was going to need some rings on people. So, what I did was, all right, let's, let's, you know, do the first half normally. When I'm in that 50 to 25% phase, I just start edging him up to the line and then burst through the combo. And I actually cut off that entire final quarter in one go. I was fine because I'd been building Cosmos down the tank route and I'd been um, feeding her all of the skill up items because she starts out so far behind everybody because you don't have her for a while. Mm -hmm. So she had really high defense and evasion, but through health manipulation and just having her guard, like you basically nullify 75% of the boss fight. Mm -hmm. Oh, Matt, I didn't have a strategy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I haven't played it yet. <laughs> I'm I'm silent because I got to the Voyager fight, but the Voyager fight proved a little too hard for me to finish in the time that we had available. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so I'm using these as pointers. <laughs> yeah, we did just we did just start decide like eight hours ago to include the Voyager fight. Yeah. Oh, really? Fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> did you not see that? You're the one who didn't vote. Oh yeah, that was a there was a vote. <laughs> No, it was more like I said so, and then everyone gave a thumbs up. Well, I specifically asked, hey, are we cool with this, and threw a thumbs up on, and then two other people threw a thumbs up, and I didn't look to see who the fourth missing one was. That was To me. be fair to me, when the spreadsheet said 76N, I had um, the first floor, there's also a first floor save point in Labyrinthos, so I just assumed that's what we meant. Mm. Yeah, someone deleted my Elsa from the notes. It was probably me, but it was in November, so who knows? Whoever yeah. it was was signed into Pitch Drop, which is what makes me think it was me. <laughs> so Ziggy continues the assault after the battle ends, picking up a nearby egg scale rifle and just firing shot after shot into the testament. Yeah, it's his um, special attack. It's just on the ground, so that makes me think it's one of the robot parts from the exploded lab. Oh, yeah, what I'm saying is that they were using the model. Got it. Eventually, he reveals this was all a feint. Cosmos has snuck up behind Voyager, shoves a Hilbert-affected hand through the guy, and hucks him into the wall. So good. At this point, the Red Testament's voice rings out, saying he spent too much time playing around after failing to disable Cosmos. And Voyager finally speaks, declaring he has to go, but this will be settled at a more appropriate time. Laughing, he shadow steps away with, Goodbye, Jan Sauer. And Shion because bitches be emotional, immediately <laughs> runs to her creation's bosom and starts crying. Xion, it appears I have caused you undue emotional stress while I was disabled. <laughs> and Xion mutters, you're right, and collapses again. Fucking simp. <laughs> so, we return to the psychic beach we haven't seen since Cherenkov died in game one. This time, Joachim Mizrahi is here, And he's talking about how people are like waves, ebbing and flowing, the distance between them varying. Parents and children also like waves. And Xion's response to this is, Professor, what was your relationship to my father? And Ms. Rahi suddenly goes from philosophy teacher to, what good is that going to do you, you idiot, you moron? I'm trying to teach you something. (laughs) It's very good. Yeah, this is this is what I mean by there's no, there's not a full redemption arc for this guy. He's still he's still a butt ass. Good. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I just there are a lot of Chris Taylors in Zeno Saga 3. There, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are. <laughs> so I also just I now that Voyager is more and more in this story, I'm so goddamn glad that I read Pied Piper. We got enough to know baseline who he is just in the database and at the beginning of this game and all that shit. But oh my God, having the backstory between Ziggy and Voyager here as he like cackles goodbye, Jan Sauer, is um, it's a sea change in feeling from the very first time I played this game where I hadn't read that shit. Both Voyager and Ziggy get database update entries, and it just says they have some mysterious past together. And I'm like, That's fuck off. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> that is such bullshit. <laughs> Incredible the, bullshit. The exact phrasing is, it hasn't been revealed yet. You made a book. Shut up. <laughs> I will point out that 
I keep comparing this game and a lot of features in it to Trails of Cold Steel. And another way that one's very similar to this but improved is you get a character journal. It's, you know, a similar database, but it marks out that there will be X spots in it. And by the second game, it actually says, hey, character journal updated after the thing gets a note. And you could just see little glowing markers that tell you, ah, yes, you have reached level two of this person's story. Instead of it just having to silently go, there's more to come. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish it was better at marking when, the, like, where's the break between first update and second update? Because if you're not staying on top of these and you want to know what's the new thing that got added, it's kind of hard to tell. Oh, yeah. Buddy, I just got through characters today. It keeps ha- uh, like every time I get a database update, I'm emotionally devastated. <laughs> I'm just going to dedicate one of my play sessions to just reading database updates uh, this Spoilers. next couple weeks. Most of them are boring. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. And then <laughs> oh, some. We have a database entry of the week coming up. It's in the notes. Yeah. It's but very like, exciting. Some of them are gems, and, and then most of them are boring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... The conversation between Shion and Mizrahi continues. Mizrahi is like, what one thinks is good cannot be guaranteed to have positive results. Words can be interpreted differently between individuals. You're a scientist, too. You should understand. And she's <laughs> yeah, just like, uh-huh. I still want to know, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's the scientific method of fucking around and finding out. Yeah. <laughs> Mizrahi, like so many other people in her life, and like a goddamn therapist would if she had one, tells her, hey, uh, maybe you should be careful of that guy. His words are shackles and only serve his own narrow-minded ego. I, I wish my therapist told me to stay away from toxic people. <laughs> Mine does. <laughs> Weirder still, Mizrahi tells her, I don't want to see your sad face. That man only brings suffering to those he comes into contact with. And then finally, he says, be true to your feelings. Do that, and she will answer your call. So the last thing we see is the two of them turning around on the dissolving beach, and Xion sees someone who looks like Cosmos in, like, a new outfit uh, with hair blowing in the wind. It's really weird, because it's like JRP peasant garb. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which... Yeah, it is. I, I know why it looks like that, and I'm mm-hmm. excited. When she wakes up, Jin is watching over her, and he says, you should really get some more rest because of how often you pass out from exhaustion. Or do you not want to have uh, the advice of a quack throwing that line back Owned. into her face? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she apologizes and tries to spark a chat with, hey, I met dad. Want to know what that was like? And he he makes a noise and says, uh, I... I doubt it came to much, which uh, speaks volumes about their dad, except uh, he follows it up with, I don't think you kept yourself composed enough for any real conversation. <laughs> Got her ass. Brutal own. <laughs> yeah. Also correct. If you had been older than eight when dad died, you would have hated him. <laughs> Alan comes in as the two chat uh, with a meal for her, and uh, he starts eavesdropping. Xi'an is dead set on trying to break into Labyrinthos, steal the vessels of Anima, and maybe, you know, some of Mizrahi's research data. Why not? You're already there. And uh, in the process, altering history itself. Jin agrees that it would be cool if their mom didn't die in a military coup gone awry, but he also points out correctly that changing your entire past seems like a thing that would have drastic consequences on you as a person. (laughs) No shit. And she goes, nuh-uh. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what happens, and she runs out of the room. The rest of the party is assembled, and the professor agrees that having the vessels might let them return home. And remember, there was this whole, like, heat energy buildup thing that they're trying to build a barrier around that somehow makes them escape this reality. Who? That's still you should, a thing. You should, yeah. you should edit in a toilet flushing sound right after you describe that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because like, well, the funny thing is, like, as far as I'm aware, they haven't brought that up again. That's no, just... it, it comes up in this conversation. Okay, fair enough. But like, you know what I mean? Like this entire time, no one's just going like, by the way, this total bullshit pseudoscience thing is still preventing us from leaving. <laughs> and is also threatening this existence. It's also only been a day since the last conversation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just having the ESs would be handy to them if Voyager or another testament shows up, which is likely. I don't know if that's true. That seems explicitly worse than being on foot when Voyager is around. Like, Voyager specifically. Yeah. Well, Junior says that it's uh, settled then. We're going to get ready to raid Labyrinthos again. And that's where we end for this episode. And the database entry of the week is Tony, helmsman of the Kukai Foundation, civilian cargo and passenger ship Elsa, well, gentlemanly in appearance, his personality visibly what? shifts to that of a daredevil once he grips the helm. <laughs> <laughs> this is the motherfucker who is like yeah, slightly too old hey, to be hanging out with high school kids, hey, but still has a motorcycle. Don't worry about it. So everyone thinks he's cool. He's the childhood friend of Hammer, the navigator. Nonetheless, his self-labeled best-in-space piloting technique really is top class and has gotten the Elsa through countless dangerous situations in the past. Despite his gruff way of speaking and other roguish tendencies, he is mm-hmm. good-natured and his constant consideration for others inspires <laughs> trust in everyone around him. <laughs> what? Uh, he exhibits belief in the supernatural by his exaggerated respect for the dead and his habit of chanting, Our Father who art in heaven, when in a pitch. <laughs> And then it just ends, there's there's two line breaks, and then it just says, an unrivaled womanizer, period. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Calling bullshit on that. Come on, where's the proof? Oh, that's so funny. Tony definitely Great. wrote this Wikipedia entry. I love <laughs> no, it. No, that's what it feels like. That's why I picked it. It's so funny. Hammers is equally like that, but about how cool <laughs> Hammer is. Amazing. Uh-huh. Uh... Next week might be Interconnection or the one just called Curry. I haven't read that one yet, but I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it. <laughs> it's pretty good. Isn't that the one they talked about, uh, the Moby Dick Curry? I hope they don't talk about the Moby Dick, and I hope they just explain what Curry is, like how they explain, <laughs> just do the tourism brochure for Kenya. <laughs> yeah. Curry, curry, a dish that originally came from India and moved over to Japan in like the 1600s, etc., etc. It's like redacted. It's really here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I didn't post the Wikipedia link. (laughs) Oh, here, now you all can read this too, which you're going to do. Not. I don't don't think we have anything to discuss with party stuff, because we only had one combat. Mm -hmm. Unless someone Mm -hmm. grinded off screen. Nope. We'll say, the guys at the beginning of the Labyrinthos, very hard. Oh, yeah. Wrapping it up, does anyone have any closing thoughts on the narrative content of this episode? I fucking loved it. I loved it. It felt like good, like town downtime at the beginning, where there's a like a bunch of different things to do, but then also you're getting like good backstory or getting an idea of the vibe of the people on the ground. And then once like the intrigue shit started happening, 
it all feels very wrong, which I think the game is really trying to communicate how wrong all of this feels, and it works, and there's good comic relief, and there's a good fight scene at the end, and Cosmos is back. Just A-plus non-dungeon here. Yeah, fucking rocked. Really all over the place, yes. but good. Yeah. You could definitely tell that I'm starting to... uh watch the tires fall off this fucking car in motion with the writing based on some of the notes I'm taking, especially involving Winnicott. (laughs) Yeah, that is definitely the weakest point in all this. Like, I know where it ends, and I still don't think we're getting there correctly. We're careening down a fucking bank, and we're going to land in front of our house and go, phew, landed it. (laughs) Can't wait for Sion to be sad after we murder Kevin. Yeah, well, the thing that kind of redeemed the kevin stuff for me at least is that he kind of camille bedons it where he every time someone every time Sean is like is your name really kevin he's like what the fuck's wrong with that name what's wrong with that name it's a fine name fuck off with that very name. good very funny yeah like at least three times yeah and you know what i will give kevin a little bit a pass on one scene because okay Oh, we didn't. It wasn't in the notes. So where the fuck did Kevin go? They're like, you got to go see Professor Mizrahi. He leaves for like five minutes and then comes back and hasn't gone to see Professor Mizrahi yet. (laughs) And to be fair, they were in his room still. I would be a little irritated about that. Mm -hmm. What's because Alan was explicitly told to stall him so Shion could stick a USB drive in his shit. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, Kevin would be mad about that. But where did he go if not to see Professor Mizrahi? Sellers. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do commercials. Tell me commercials. I don't need to wait for Matt's opinion. He doesn't have one. (laughs) Not this week. (laughs) Uh, You can find all of my work at hellscaper.com, and Matt, Chris, and I also do another show on the network, Boku No Stop, an anime podcast that is nothing but murder mystery and philosophy discussion this season as we cover Naoki Urasawa's Monster. If you like the long talky bits of this show, but want it more streamlined because we don't have lore shit to get into, maybe you should give it a try. (laughs) Didn't um, Urasawa's stuff go digital, finally? recently yes. like, that's the new thing we should make it's it's going to start rolling out uh we don't have a schedule on things but yeah we're probably going to get yawara for the first time cool yeah there's also a patron only version of boku no stop where chris uh john who has been on this podcast before and i talk about other things uh currently we are doing jujutsu kaisen and that's been a lot of fun although <laughs> it's been kind of rough to record extreme disaster so far <laughs> but like it but like a good disaster okay this seems like something that's sybil's fault why do i have a notepad document just called his and her circumstances and then inside of that that's all it says oh that's an that's that's an an anime yeah it's a it's a it's a hideaki ano thing okay so this is something that sybil told me to write down and then i'm like what is this notepad document (laughs) yes um if you are I think you mentioned on one of our Ava recordings that you were a fan of how TV just has this frantic energy at the end. And I went, hey, did you know he did that on a shojo series and also ran out of budget again? Well, now that it's called mm. some other weird anime thing that I have to look up, I'm less interested. Kare Kano slash his or hers and her circumstances. Oh, no. No, I was looking up what a shojo was. It's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. Wow. <laughs> 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 
How have you not picked up on that uh one being around Matt and I? (laughs) Look. (laughs) Learning a lot about anime all the time, and it makes me like it less every time. (laughs) You can listen to some music that I make on SoundCloud at Catastrophizer or a band that I'm in, my buddy Nick called Canon and Devarin on Bandcamp at canonanddevarin.bandcamp.com. And I am not underwater. I am hoping and praying. I uh, don't pray. I'm hoping that uh, the rest of coastal Washington is also safe today. If you do die, I'll post thoughts and prayers. True. If you do mm-hmm. die, I'll post thoughts. <laughs> when did you do that anyway? If you die, I'll post ulti- whole. <laughs> it would be the <laughs> ultimate content for someone on our network to die and then for me to post thoughts and prayers in the shit pit. Uh, <laughs> That would be extremely on brand and extremely morbid. I would get to post F's in the chat sincerely. <laughs> per, per Ryan's final uh. request, I will post hole in the lit pit. <laughs> we have to get a ring light for that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you can listen to Ryan and I's podcast icons and icons by visiting our Patreon at pitchdrop.cash and kicking it as little as a buck a month. It's this podcast, but about Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. That's all until next time. We'll be talking about Labyrinthos up through the Cosmos save screen. Peace out, fuckers. Bye. Bye. And wait for tomorrow.